of Yahweh, the opportunity to share yet again, Father. Thank you for the stirring. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and the stirring, the provoking, the priding, the agitation, however it's worded, doesn't matter, but it's you, it's working, and it's, you're, you're in my mind, you're in my thoughts, and you're stirring my heart to bring this word. Thank you. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to share something that was uh, shared today uh, in sermon, and actually it's been something that's been on my mind for a couple of days, but <clears throat> I haven't quite figured out how to do this, and the Holy Spirit tied this thing together, and I'm going to go all the way back up to the book of Isaiah and share also. Um, I have something marked there that I was going to do, but... <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to flip up there right quick, make sure that I have my spot marked. So what I want to share with you is, is um, what our pastor was sharing in sermon today and um, it has an interesting tie-in and I'll bring it together for you. So what he was sharing was about Acts 6 and 7. If you remember in the books of Acts, if we go back, we go back in time somewhat and we see and remember, Jesus started in his ministry, and he started, and he told the disciples that they were going to go, and they were going to do, when he left, it was going to come time for them, and they were going to do greater works than even he himself did. Now, remember, Jesus walked with them for three years before he was so brutally crucified by the those that were of the ilk that thought that their ways were higher and they knew more. Now keep in mind that we were reminded God writes it in his scriptures and he writes it in several places that our thoughts are not as high as his. We can't begin to comprehend what he tries to explain, what he tries to show us, what he tries to teach us. And Jesus even told the disciples, and you have to remember that when the disciple the disciples walked with him for three years, three years, they saw him doing things, they saw him performing miracles, they saw him doing other things and his preaching and teaching, and yet they still marveled at some things. When he walked on the water, and came to them in the boat when Peter stepped out after all of his angst and everything that was going on with Peter and his agitation and his loss and his gain and his anger. And when he was on the boat and Jesus walked out on the water with them, they were afraid and they thought it was a ghost. And there were some that said, no, that's, that's Jesus. No, no, it's a ghost. 
your madness. And, and Peter recognized him and said, that's our, that's our Lord. And then they tried to keep Peter from stepping out. And Peter wanted to step out. What I'm getting at is that the disciples, even some of them were doubtful. They weren't sure what they were seeing. And you remember when Jesus went and he was getting ready to leave and he had his disciples and some that had gathered around besides the 12 that were with him and there were others that were learning and being taught that they left. They allowed their doubts to overshadow their minds and they just walked away. Jesus tells us in the Bible, talks about the what is called the apostasy. And it's happening now. It does happen now. It is happening now. And what that means is that you have individuals that just absolutely give up. And they walk away from whatever we've been taught, what we've been shown, what we read in the Bible. And they just make the decision that they just can't do it anymore or they don't want to do it anymore. And they walk away. And at the same time, there's the pouring out of God's spirit. And he tells us this in the Bible. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And you're... Young men will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. These things are going to come and they're happening. I was sharing in my uh, in my life group the other night and some people had no idea what I was talking about because they've never heard of the program. They've never seen it. And that's okay. No big deal. And I shared with them that I am seeing, um, some of you may have heard of the uh program AGT, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent. You have this fellow, Simon Cowell, who has made a ton of money and he's, uh, <coughs> pardon me, he's produced these programs. And what they do is they have these auditions and they come on. But the point that I want to get to is that I have seen a number of them and very, very recent time, a number of them, where you have these auditions come and these people are, praising the Lord, they're worshiping God, they're singing to the Lord Jesus. And the one that absolutely, it, it brought me to tears. I just closed my eyes and I was listening to her singing, beautiful, beautiful singing voice. And there's some people that have never heard the song and the head honcho made the comment. He said, I've never heard that song. And the other ladies that were in the panel, they said, yes, but you felt it. You've never heard it, but you felt it. And I'm telling you, this woman sang of the alabaster box. When the, and you know the story that, that the box is broken over and open and the, the ointment was put on Jesus' feet and has anointed his head. And, and uh, it was the greatest gift it could be and anointing him for his burial. And remember that Jesus said that. Nobody took the opportunity to, to anoint him in any way, shape or form. And there was uh, the other time that he came into uh, Simon, the Pharisee's house, was never even offered a dish to wash feet, which is a custom in those days that they wash their feet when they come in the house. 
remember, they didn't, most of the cities and towns, they didn't have paved streets. And she anointed his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And then there was a young man I saw just most recently, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. I can't remember, I'm an old guy. He was 17 years old and he was from Nairobi. And he was singing praises to Lord Jesus. His arms opened wide and he was just, he had a voice like an angel. And it was beautiful. And the camera panned around the audience and panned everyone in the panel. They were sitting with their mouths open and crying. So the Lord is pouring out his spirit. And there is also a walking away. People are turning their backs. That's not something new by any way, shape, or form. And I'm not sure this with you. Um, as I was saying in the book of Acts, we're going to read about Acts of the Apostles, that after Jesus went back to heaven to prepare our place for us, as he told us he was going to, um, you have to remember that the apostles were carrying on. And they were doing what he told them to do, or what he had taught them. And they were working at it and they were doing it, but here's the thing too, is that they were and had succumbed to antagonistic attacks by the Sanhedrin as Jesus had. And we're going to see in Acts 6 and 7, what I'm going to share with you is where there was an apostle and his name was Stephen. Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, however you'd like to pronounce it. Mm. And he was taken before the council, Sanhedrin, all these individuals that declared even even their declaration of Jesus. Now, I am just absolutely flabbergasted and and these men who had certificates that were signed by other teachers and accredited of man and mammon had declared themselves to be no, more knowledgeable than the word of God. And I remind you that in the book of John, we are told by John, he wrote this, and this is of Jesus Christ. This is the divinity and the incarnation of Jesus Christ is written by John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing 
not anything made that was made. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because I've read it to you before, but that is talking about Jesus, who was then, of course, later manifest as the light of men and that John the baptizer, his earthly cousin, was to precede him and prepare the way for Jesus to come and teach and preach and for redemption, healing, and repentance. So these members of a council got together and they decided that they knew more than Jesus did and that Jesus was a blasphemer. He was using sorcery and trickery and you think that some of these things are new that happen today, the illusionists and the sleight of hand and all that stuff is some new thing. That's not anything new. It's been around for a long time. They were doing it way back in Jesus' time. They were figured out how to make things appear to do things that they weren't. And this is what they accused Jesus of, that he wasn't actually healing anybody. How do you take a blind person and make them have eyesight and have the color that was in their eyes to go from milky to the color that their eyes were supposed to be when they were born? Or even the, like, the, like the young man that was blind from birth, and then they kept questioning and then his parents finally got so sick and tired of hearing the same questions over and over again. They said, he's a man, he's of age, ask him yourselves. And the mother and father walked out on them. They got tired of the hounding and pounding because these men couldn't face the fact that this was a healing, that Jesus healed this blindness. Well, was he really blind from birth? Are you sure it wasn't just a mistaken identity? Are you sure? Look, you know what? He's a man full grown. You ask him, we're, we're out of here. We're going, we have other things to do. And we're going walking and shopping and praising God. And we don't want to hear you babbling about your ways being much greater. Didn't actually say that. A little paraphrasing going on there. A little ad, free ad lib. Uh, a little local color. But the Sanhedrin, that's what they did. The blind, he healed the blind man that was sitting at the gate, was blind for, from, blind from birth. And then everybody tried to say that it was because he had sinned as a child or his mother and father sinned so that God visited the sins upon him and took his eyesight. Well, that's not what happened. That's not the way it works. But questioning and questioning and questioning. Now, Stephen... Stephen came, was taken by, and he was, he was one of the first apostles that was martyred after Jesus. And he was a very powerful, dynamic speaker. And he was full of faith. And everything he came out, was powerful. They loved listening to him. And they loved his teachings. They loved his sermons. And it says here in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip 
and Procris, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a prophesied of Antioch. So they were they were choosing because they had a mission, and they were choosing these out. and And Stephen was going to basically be kind of in charge. And the other apostles, they laid their hands on them and prayed over them and laid hands on them. And we're told to do that same thing now. But Stephen was doing this stuff and he was full of power and great and, and there were wonders and miracles that were going on. And then here comes those that, of course, know much better than everyone else because they are the pharisaical tyrants and they are the religious leaders that know more than everyone else and their ways are higher and their thoughts are higher than everyone else except God, but they don't see it that way, just like they told Jesus. So now we're going to jump over to Acts 6 and 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alcadrians, Alcadrians, and of them of Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. They wanted to have an open dispute because they didn't agree with what he was saying. Well, there's a way you do this and a way that you don't do it. But here, the point that I'm making or that I intend to make is that I shared something uh, a little while ago and there was a group of men. And I, I absolutely, when I saw this taking place and they came up, I was absolutely flabbergasted and amazed that these individuals had established themselves and they were, they were acting exactly like the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, they were the same way. There was a group of six, eight, anyway, they had, they had formed a council and they decided that their council was going to belittle, degrade, and try to denounce this these other several church groups that were performing their music and sharing and worshiping God. And they made an open statement to discredit them, belittle them, degrade them. I mean, they were not nice about this and they were, they were openly using their name. And you notice, perhaps you haven't, but I'm gonna make a point to this. Whenever I talk anything or speak anything negative, you've never heard me mention anyone specifically by name because that would put the idea of judgment in your mind and perhaps in your perspective, you didn't see that happening. And you need to just be aware of it and keep your eyes open. Try the Spirit, pray the Holy Spirit's guidance and you will see this for what it is because the Holy Spirit is always dealing in truth. Any, any rate, this panel of these individuals got together and they were openly negating anything that these other folks were doing. And they were worshiping and praising God. Nothing that they were doing was contrary to biblical teaching. Nothing was against the word of God. Nothing was anti-Christ. 
nothing at all except praise and worship to Lord God Almighty. But because they didn't like the way it was being done and they were against it, just like I've shared with you, there are some churches today they don't want to hear you speaking in tongues. They don't want to hear you worshiping in tongues. You can't use instruments as music in the house of God, except that the word of God tells us to use the timbrels, the string instruments, the harps, your voice, the trumpets, anything you can. If you're worshiping God and praising God, it's a good thing. The Bible tells you to do it. And just like David was dancing out there with all the people and they were worshiping and praising and celebrating the fact that the Ark of the Covenant had been returned and they brought it back to Jerusalem. And he was out there dancing and and, and just jumping around, praising God. He was in his ephod, which is underneath the embroidered shirt and all the decoration stuff. It's like a, it's a cloth apron and in those days he would call it their underwear. But it wasn't really the underwear, it was like a, a really long, back when I was younger, um, they had this thing, they call, They used to call it a king tut. I don't know why they called it that. But it was a nightshirt, it was a sleeping shirt. That's what men used to wear all the time. You couldn't see through it, it wasn't, and this is kind of like what an ephod was. Miguel, his wife, came down and she said, you're making me embarrassed. Dancing around and carrying on out here with all these people and all these common folk. And David just looked at her and he said, well, if you're embarrassed, go back inside and close the window and close the door because I am worshiping God, Hashem, Lord God, your Lord God, our Lord God, and this worship is for him. It's not intended for your entertainment. It's not entertain. It's not for that. It's a worship God. So if you're embarrassed, go home, close the window, close the doors, and stay in your room. It'll be okay. And he continued to celebrate and worship God. He wasn't doing anything contrary, and he wasn't being openly odd or controversial. She just thought that it, that as a king he shouldn't do that. Oh, wait a second. If I were the president or I was some high mucky muck and I went to church and my heart was filled like it is now and has been and will always be and I start worshiping, what, because I have a certain station of life that I'm not supposed to do that now? That I'm not supposed to worship God? So I'm not sure what this panel of these judges were that they got up and they wanted to make an, op an open contrary statement to their worshiping God the way that they did. They didn't like the way they worship God. And I've had people tell me that I shouldn't be worshiping and praising and using tongues because they that individual was uncoupled. So they, they moved to another end of the, of the pews, which is fine. It was no big deal. And I wasn't doing it so that the whole congregation could hear it, but I was worshiping God. And I was talking to God in heavenly language, which is a good practice to get in. And I was really just worshiping God. And the worship wasn't for that person. So they don't have the authority to do that. And let me share this with you. No one has the authority to tell you how to worship God. The churches that establish the rules and say, oh, you can't use instruments. 
You can't, you can't pray in tongues. You can't speak in tongues. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. Why? Does it say that somewhere in the Bible that now God has made you in charge and you've taken sovereignty? So this panel of these individuals that decided that all these other churches were devil worshipers because they were worshiping in a way that they didn't agree with. So that made them wrong. So here we're jumping back into Acts again. From modern day, our time, now we're going back to Acts. So Stephen was full of power and he was sharing all these things. <coughs> Pardon me. And he was speaking all these things. So all these groups, these individuals came and they wanted to dispute with Stephen because their thoughts are higher than his and so forth and so on. But they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. They were trying to attack him, but he was speaking through the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit was speaking through Stephen. They, you can't dispute with, you can't fight and, and argue with God. Well, you can. You're going to be at it and it's going to be nil and the score is going to be zip zero for you and overwhelming for God. So what they did, what they did, what they started to do is they gathered people together, which would say that, that they heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they agitated the people, which is the same thing that the Pharisees did with Jesus. When they took Jesus before Pilate, I've shared this with you, Pilate three times, three times, three times came and told them, I find no guile in this man. This man speaks truth. I find no fault in this man. And then he washed his hands in the basins and said, I'm not doing this. You want to crucify him. You want to kill him for something that I cannot find any reason to do so. And you do it. What I'm going to, but here's what Pilate did. Because this was a political deal is what they turned it all into. And he was kind of fretful and all this because Jews were pretty, a lot of them, which is what happened in Egypt. Remember, Pharaoh was all great to them and Joseph, and then that Pharaoh died, and the other Pharaoh listened to all his uh, naysayers and the backbiters and all this, and they convinced him that, that the nation was becoming too big, powerful, and strong, and that they had to, and that's when they started putting him into hard labor and so forth and so on. So, this group of, of the Sanhedrin, they got together and they convinced these other individuals to basically lie on Stephen, Stephen. And they stirred up the crowd and elders and they agitated the scribes and other members of the council and they went and they grabbed him and they brought him in front of the council. And they stirred up and set up fault witnesses that said that he uh, won't stop to speak blasphemy and words against the holy place and the law. 
Well, how foolish is that? That they are deciding that verbal customs and their worship of the building, which is essentially the things that they were all talking about, is idolatry. And they were they speak against it, but yet they were practicing it. And they were upset because Jesus said that, of course, you know that he wasn't talking about the physical temple building. He was talking about the church or the temple and that as the body and he was going to be in the tomb and he was going to raise after three days. And they totally missed that. And they thought he was talking about the actual building. And they were all upset about him going to tear down the building which is the same thing that they were talking about with Stephen, Stephen. And they brought him before the council and they had all these, so what they did is they got a whole bunch of people out in the crowd and stirred up and told them, okay, you know, when he gets up there, you say this to say this to say this, which is what they did. So he was speaking blasphemy against this holy place and the law. Now, what the laws they were talking about was Moses. For we have heard, and uh, further in 14, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. Well, they're sort of missing the point because yes, Moses delivered it, but that's all he was. He was the delivery guy. He was the postal carrier. He was a UPS guy. He was DHL, FedEx, whatever you, whatever label you want to tack on to the guy. That's what he did. He delivered the law from God who etched it in stone and gave it to him. And then he got so upset when he came down the first time and they were doing what they do, worshiping idols, blasphemy to God, getting drunkenness and having orgies. And he smashed the Ten Commandments that God originally wrote with his finger in stone. Which didn't set well. So when Moses went back up on the mountain to stay with God again, he chiseled them out. <laughs> but here's the thing. They were worried about Stephen talking about destroying the temple building. And that, oh, you're going to change our customs, our rules, and you're going to, you're speaking against the law that Moses brought to us. Well, wait a second. Everything that you declare to Jesus and everything you talk about always out there anyway is nothing scriptural. It has nothing to do with Torah, very little to do with Torah. You decide and you verbalize it so that it fits your criteria and what you want to say and how you want the people to respond to you. Interesting. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it was the face of an angel. Stephen was speaking truth and he was speaking straight from the Holy Spirit and was coming from God. They had, And yes, it'll change your appearance. And then when the high priest asked them if they were so, 
And then he went through his little dissertation that he was explaining about Abraham and, and their history. And talking about all these things. And then... They got really, really agitated with Stephanie. And he kept telling them. And he basically, he put a heavy hammer on them, and they, I'm sure they didn't like it. But they, he came right out and told them, he said, the Son of God came for a purpose, And the word of God, the almighty God, was that God says, I don't dwell in temples made by hands, as the prophet explained, that they supposedly believe in, but didn't listen to that. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool, and what house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? What are you going to build that is even worthy that I come as Lord God Almighty, the sovereign God, maker of all things made, and that you're going to put it together and you're going to declare it to be the place to be. Now, he gave Solomon some guidance and things the way it was supposed to be, but that was basically for people to look at. You have to understand, and these were, this is what they got caught up in, but he didn't want them to that, but he wanted them to have something <laughs> that they could look at, and then it was going to be amazing, worthy of being there. But like he's telling them, that, and he's chastising them because they're putting more credence and more belief in the building than they are in the spirit of God and in the truth, that they're more caught up in the building. And this is what Jesus tried to explain to him when I tried to explain to you and clarify when he was talking about be wary of the leaven, the, the leaven of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy and their whitewashing and things that they did. They make everything look pretty on the outside, but they care nothing about what's going on inside. Just like on the road... And they left that man and they walked around him. And then the only one that came to help was the Samaritan, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, except that it was true. The high priest crossed the road. The Levites, the mucky mucks in the church, they stepped around him and they walked around him. They didn't even stop to see how he was. They didn't even stop to see that he was a Jew. They didn't care. They were only worried about getting their hands dirty getting a little dust under their nails and that they would then be unclean and that they'd have to do a cleansing ritual and stay out of the temple for seven days. Oh my goodness. They were so caught up in these rituals and the laws and all this stuff. And Stephen, Stephen rebukes him. stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Ghost and your fathers did so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, 
of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. Stephen called it like it was and told them, you persecuted the prophets, you destroyed them, and you took the only one, the just one that came from God. And you betrayed him, and you murdered him, and you put him on the cross. Oh, now they were mad. Who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it? You killed him, you killed them, and you don't keep the law. You want to say the law, you want to talk about the law, but you don't follow the law. And this is what Jesus tried to get them to explain. They were all about talking about it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on them with their teeth. You know what gnashing teeth means? And Pastor Jamie mentioned that today. I'm kind of glad he did because I had been thinking about it and I, I had looked it up. But this is, this is the way that a demoniac would act. And this would be a person possessed of a demon. They were grinding their teeth so hard you could audibly hear it. And they were making biting sounds where their teeth as if they were trying to bite it, but they weren't. I mean, they were, they were in their little counseling, but they were just so, they were so agitated. They were grinding their teeth. You could hear the grinding and they were making biting noises and clacking their teeth together. You could hear it. That's what it means when you gnash your teeth. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on them with their teeth. But he had been full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out loud with a loud voice. They put their hands over their ears and they all rushed him. They all grabbed, they all, the whole council, everybody, they mobbed Stephen. They, they didn't want to hear him speaking truth, so they covered their ears and they were gnashing their teeth and making grinding noises and all these horrible no noises, and they rushed him. Then they took him out of, the, out of the council chamber, they took him out and back and they stoned him to death. And who was there? Well, all the council were there and Saul was there. And Saul was there. So, brother and sister, I'm sharing that with you. And the point that I'm making is that we are doing that now. This council that got together, <coughs> pardon me, and they were belittling, degrading, and talking And they were talking bad about them, degrading them because they didn't agree with how they were worshiping. Now this council, when they attacked Stephen and they stoned him to death, which is what they did. Stephen was martyred. They stoned him to death. And it said that he simply nailed down, knelt down and went to sleep, which means that they killed him. They stoned him to death because he was speaking the truth. He was speaking about Jesus and they didn't want to hear it. So they stopped up their ears. They screamed out loud and they were grinding and gnashing and making clacking noises with their teeth. And they attacked him. And they took him out and they stoned him to death. And Saul was there. Saul was there. 
Well, later on, we know the story about Saul. When our Lord knocked him off of his ass into the middle of the road and then stood over him. Saul, 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 why persecuted thou me? But Saul was not persecuting him per se. He was persecuting the body of Christ, which in all, Jesus is in all of us. If we are true believers, true Christians, true followers, and we are in the, the Bible, the scripture tells us this all the time. One mind, one body, and we the, the church is spoken of as the body of the church, all the members. It's not the building. It's the members. And this is what these council members couldn't understand. And in Isaiah 55, and I'm going to read the first part of this and, and then I'm going to explain to you so you have understanding and understand the perspective. Ho oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Ye come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. What is Isaiah prophesying there? What is he talking about? Isaiah is talking about the truth, the word of God, and that we all come, all of us can come to the table. All of us sit down as one family, the family of God, brothers and sisters in God, in Christ, and we sit at the table together it doesn't cost anything to sit down and eat because it's all there. All provided. It is all there. We come together. And he further prophesies and is talking about the nation of Israel and explaining to them. And this is one thing that I've shared with you. I'm going to, I'm going to go into... <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Well, that might seem like he wanders in and out and he goes, but the reality is that that's coming back on self. While you have God there and while you're practicing his presence, seek more diligently. And remember, I've shared this with you. When you seek something, you're not just looking and glancing around like I do here sometimes. I'm looking over and I'm watching my my support dogs are just cocking out and my one is dreaming. And I look over, I'm just kind of glancing and I see him having a dream. But if I'm seeking him, I'm going to go move the blankets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look right for him. I mean, I'm going to make an, an earnest effort. This is just going to glance over and, and can see that he's moving. 
So the point I'm making is that when you seek God, you look diligently for him. Don't just sit here and open up the Bible and you flip a couple pages and then you flip over a couple pages. If you're going to seek God, seek God. Seek and search diligently and make an earnest, concerted effort to do so. And always remember this too. This is this is an important, important part. And Isaiah says the same thing. God says it in a number of places, but, but Isaiah makes a point to this. All these council members and all these things, they were, they were not adhering to what the word expresses. Lean not unto your own understanding, but seek ye the truth and the way and the, the Holy Spirit will guide you. The book of Proverbs tells us this. The book of Proverbs, that word in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very specific. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Well, here's how these councils put all this stuff away. They decided that they knew more than Jesus did, so they crucified him because they didn't like what he was saying. And he didn't, he didn't hold any put, or as he would say, that he didn't pull any punches. Wasn't swinging at him, but he was, he was knocking them around pretty hard. He called them vipers. John the baptizer, his earthly cousin, called them vipers. And you know what they got upset about? They didn't like it being compared to a snake that does lie birth and the young eat their way out of their mother. Oh, they got upset about that. That just sort of that just sort of floored me there. They were worried about the fact that he compared them to being vipers and they were not even concerned with the fact that they might have been doing anything that justified that. They were more concerned with the fact that, well, they birth their young and they have to eat their way out of the mother in order to be born. Well, yeah. <laughs> you give no care for anyone else that you're supposed to be caring for. You crucified Jesus. You stoned Stephen. And then you want to belittle, besmirch, and downplay all these other these other places because they don't worship the way you do, so they must be of the devil. Oof. Brothers and sisters, this stuff is is pretty potent, pretty heavy, and I I know that I might be coming hard with it, but you know what? It's out there. It's real. It's truth. And it's shameful. When you're going to have somebody come and tell me, you're going to come and tell me that the way that I worship my Lord, my God, Hashim, Abba Yahweh, the ancient of days, the first and the last, the, the, you're going to tell me that the way I'm worshiping God is wrong because you don't like it? Or for some reason you think that I'm not supposed to worship him and speak to him in the heavenly language that he ordained 
so that Satan and his minions can't get a hold to it and understand what I'm saying. I could have been praying for you. And doing so because I want you protected so that the devil doesn't come with demons or the minions that he has functioning for him. He can't understand what I just prayed about. So he's not sure what he's gonna do. And may have been praying for an extra watch for you so that an extra angel might have been coming. And you don't know. You just came and told me that I shouldn't be doing that. Well, shame on you. And I don't hold that back. That's actually shame on you because I worship my Lord, my God, and my worship is not for you. The validation of God Almighty that sits on the throne of heaven is the only validation that we need to be worried about. Not about somebody coming up and saying, you know what? You're a little bit flat on your singing, so maybe you should sharpen that up a little bit, or you shouldn't be putting your hands up. You shouldn't be you shouldn't kneel down in the middle of the floor. Excuse me? Is this I'm sorry, I thought this was a church. I thought this was the, the church body, and I thought we were here in God's house to worship God. And I'm made a terrible, grievous error because I thought it was his house and you're obviously, it's your house and you're telling me how it's gonna be in your house. So sorry, so sorry. Do I sound sarcastic? I am being. Remember what I'm saying here in Acts or Isaiah 55 verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing wherefore I sent it. When God sends out and directs, Just do. And remember what I shared with you too about heaven and nature saying and all this that, that goes on and that that's an important thing. Further reading in Isaiah 55, verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All right. Now you understand the point that I was getting to and making. Hopefully it was, I clarified that with you. But brothers and sisters, 
God determines. God is sovereign. And these individuals that want to go about telling you how to worship and how you're supposed to pray to God, uh, be granted that I will say this, and remember, I've said it to you before, is that God is not an author of confusion. So if you have something that may be confusing to the congregation, first of all, the Holy Spirit isn't going to let you do it. And if you try to pour it out there and do it on your own, then you are indeed wrong. If you're just worshiping and you're very happy about it, you can worship and not throw that out so that the congregation becomes confused. And if you're not confusing anyone else and that person just happens to be right next to you at your shoulder, well, unfortunately, when I praise God, I praise God. And it's not just for me, but they've that determination is not for them to make. They don't have that authority. That authority is not theirs. It is the sovereign Lord God and the Holy Spirit. And the body of the church is supposed to worship God. So, brothers and sisters, be wary of those that are around you. Be, don't be confrontational. Please, don't be confrontational. The word tells us that we can be angry, but be righteous in our anger. It might anger you. That person didn't anger me. I was a little confused at first and sat back and I was a little annoyed. But you have to understand, this is something that Satan loves to get us all worked up about. And he's working on me with something right now. It's a little difficult for me to get around and things. So, But rather than be smug and attitudinal and all this stuff about it, I pray forgiveness because my attitude is not supposed to be like that. God's taking care of me and things. And it is what it is. Period. But Satan loves to agitate and stir up. And I've shared this with you before, is that it doesn't matter whether it's in the church, because unlike Hipparkawood, the threshold of the church is not a protected place simply because it's a church. Demons love to piggyback into the church. They love those spirits. They love to bring those in and they like to cause confusion and agitation, derision, separation. If they can do it within the building of the church where the body of the church is supposed to be worshiping and they can get you confused and agitated and separated and work on the derisiveness, oh, they love that. They're dancing a jig and they're happy, happy, joy, joy for them. So, brothers and sisters, be diligent in seeking the truth, the knowledge, and the wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. Hashim. Hashim. The Lord thy God. Seek him diligently. Seek his faith. Seek his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. And be in the word of God. Pray. Worship. Don't be confrontational. Don't do that. But be aware that there are individuals out there that are playing this pharisaical, tyrannical game. And that's what it amounts to, really. They're determined that they're going to make it their way, but it's not their way, it's God's way. Be bold, be courageous, be upright, 
and understand that they're going to look for reasons to tear you down. And that's okay because God is with you. And as Paul writes in the church in Philippi, he tells, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Indeed. And Satan loves for us to forget that. You can find that down there in Philippians 6. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Put on the full armor of God. Be a bold, courageous warrior for God. Be truthful, be honest. Don't be confrontational. Be blessed. You're in my prayers and my going out and my coming in. Be blessed.